We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. My name is Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome back to another Friday edition of the show. Thank you, Kyle. It is a very interesting time in the offseason. We finally have the combine to talk about. And in in my book, the offseason has officially started as of today. Nice, nice. Yeah, and we are going to spend the majority of this episode talking NFL combine and taking a look at how some players' performance will impact their chance to be a Green Bay Packer. But first, we need to spend some time just kind of skimming through some newsworthy free agency items as free agency, or at least, I guess, what is, I guess, the legal tampering period is only about 10 days away. So that's coming up pretty quickly here. But first, I guess our first thing here is Bryce Harper was not the only Bryce in news on your Twitter feed yesterday as Ah. Packers. I mean, they're basically equivalent talents. Let's just see what you did there. Yeah. Right. Um, Packers safety. Kentrell Bryce has apparently expressed a desire to return to the Packers next season. That said, he has stated that he does not want a one year deal. So Andrew, what are your thoughts on Bryce and a possible reunion with the Packers? 
Yeah, I, I've been on the Kentrell Bryce bandwagon since the day he was signed as an undrafted free agent. I actually predicted he would be the guy who made the roster out of those undrafted free agents, and I thought he would develop into a really solid starter eventually. But last year was absolutely brutal. Bryce is still a guy who has incredible physical tools. He's a big hitter. I like his attitude. And I'd love for the backers to bring him back on a one-year deal. But if his attitude is that he's not going to take it, I'm sure they're going to be happy to let him test the market. And then hopefully he'll come back without any multi-year deals and he can be a uh, rotation player or a contributor on special teams, which I think is what he, he really fits in best as. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to see him testing those waters of uh, free agency and coming up with this uh, multi-year deal. So I don't know what kind of leverage he'll actually have out there. Um, But in other free agency news, it's being reported that the Rams will let Roger Saffold, LaMarcus Joyner, and Dante Fowler test the free agency market. And obviously the Packers have a need at guard, at safety, and at edge rusher. So those are some players who would potentially be of interest to the Packers anyway. But these are guys who all have connections to Green Bay and the new coaching staff. Uh, Matt LaFleur will have a good idea of what he thinks of Saffold and Joyner from his time in L.A. And offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett should be able to weigh in on Dante Fowler from his time with the Jags. And the Packers were rumored to be interested in Fowler around the trade deadline this past season. So we'll see if there is actually any real interest there and if they make him a priority um, this offseason. And then on Wednesday, Bleacher Report published an article about Kansas City Chiefs edge rusher D. Ford. And the purpose of the article was actually to dive into Ford's crucial offsides penalty in that AFC championship game and look at how he plans to move on from that miscue. But what I really found interesting was how the article described the relationship that Ford has with Packers' new outside linebackers coach, Mike Smith. The article stated that Ford credits Smith with the success that he found and that Ford considers Smith a close personal friend as well. So obviously the Chiefs are going to probably franchise Ford here. But if he were to somehow avoid the tag, he is someone who makes a lot of sense for Green Bay. And from reading the article, you get the feeling that Ford would be excited to follow Smith and continue their working relationship. So check out that article. I did pin it to my Twitter because I knew we'd be talking about it tonight on the podcast. So you can find that later. It's a really interesting read. And if nothing else, it certainly seems like Green Bay has a great new coach in Mike Smith. So lots of exciting stuff there and things to keep tabs on. But Andrew and I are pretty excited about the NFL scouting combine. This is kind of our thing. So obviously when you evaluate prospects, the game film is the biggest thing that you consider. What they have been on tape is largely what they're probably going to be in the future. Now, major changes in their tape are the exceptions and not the rule. So what you see is typically what you get. But the combine is huge in breaking ties between players. And it certainly helps quantify athleticism and upside as a prospect. So uh, now that these guys are gathered in Indianapolis and they're getting measured and they're going through these drills, we wanted to talk a little bit about how something as simple as these weigh-ins and these arm and height measurements could actually factor in to who the Packers in particular may or may not be interested in Uh, when late April gets here. So we wanted to start with someone by the name of Jonah Williams. Uh, Williams is a guy who, let's go ahead and just go through his measurements here. He measured in at six foot four, 
um, and 302 pounds, right? And the big thing about Jonah Williams was that they were concerned about his arm length. And is he long enough to play tackle, or is he going to need to slide inside to guard? Many teams prefer that 34-inch arm kind of threshold there. But Williams had this great line in his presser at the Combine about how having longer arms might make it easier to reach the keyboard, but for someone in the media, that has nothing to do with how good of a journalist they actually are. So he kind of made kind of a wisecrack to the media when talking to them about this. So that three-eighths of an inch that he's short on those 34-inch arms shouldn't keep him from being considered a tackle, um, in my opinion. And depending on who's available at 12, he might actually be someone that the Packers could uh, seek out to replace Brian Balaga um, and be his heir at right tackle. So uh, Jonah Williams measuring in just a little bit under the threshold, but nothing that I think will keep him from being considered by the Packers and other NFL teams at tackle. Yeah, it is interesting how the media has sort of jumped on Jonah Williams as having like T-Rex arms when, in fact, you know, three-eighths of an inch probably isn't that big of a deal. Ideally, you'd love to have a guy with his tape with his athleticism and with the long arms, but those guys just don't come around very often. Joe Thomas is kind of the ideal when it comes to that. And Jonah Williams tape is phenomenal. He's highly regarded in pass protection and run blocking. And so I think the Packers could do a lot worse at 12 than, than Jonah Williams. Uh, one of the guys that I was paying attention to in the measurements is Marquise Hollywood Brown, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma. And he did measure in over five foot nine, which is good for him. He weighed in at 166 pounds, um, hands and arms, really not all that crucial for what I was looking at. Um, but he did show up for measurements, which was cool because he's not going to be able to participate in any drills because of that Liz Franck injury he had. So knowing he hasn't been working out and still only weighed in at 166 pounds is concerning. Um, I mean, I'm sure he wasn't sitting around eating McDonald's, but (laughs) still he hasn't been able to work out. And um, 166 pounds is not a lot. um, And I would imagine he was playing at less than that in college. So um, he's definitely the kind of electric and dynamic playmaker that is all the rage in the NFL and the kind of guy teams just can't wait to get their hands on. But there is going to be a ton of questions if he can hold up at his size. He likely was a mid first rounder, but without being able to do the combine or even his pro day because of his injury, I'm wondering how far he's going to slip in the draft. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And somebody who is not going to be someone that you question how heavy they are uh, and how thick they are is DK Metcalf. Uh, Metcalf weighed in at 228 pounds at six foot three um, and is just a mountain of a man. And he was actually rumored to be around 240 pounds coming in. So I actually feel a little bit better uh, that he isn't quite that big. I'd rather him be a little lighter and a little less uh, tight, uh, you know, and be a little bit more fluid. He kind of would be kind of like a tight end if he was 240 pounds and that tall. But uh, the crazy thing about Metcalf is that he apparently is at 1.6% body fat, 
which is insane and probably not true. Um, there's been some things floating around uh, Twitter that you can pretty much eliminate that as a reasonable possibility. And I don't even know if, if that were even true, if it would be very healthy for an athlete to try to compete, you know, with that little uh, body fat on their frame. So interesting there, but uh, no doubt uh, came in and was a physical specimen that impressed at the combine for sure. Yeah, I was watching NFL Network earlier today, and they said 3.1%. Um, so I know there is some contradiction in the media as to how much that was. In either case, it is ridiculous. Um, and he certainly looks like the kind of person who has very little body fat. <laughs> but but oftentimes I've heard that's not very good for player health. And, and as you mentioned, um, especially you know knowing DK Metcalf has an injury history already, that, and that's why neither of us have 1.5% body fat, right? Like, we, I don't we know it's hurt. bad for us. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't want to get hurt. Um, so I'm going to talk about somebody that the Packers have absolutely no chance of drafting. Um, and that is quarterback Kyler Murray, um, who, of course, is all over um, the news reports today. The quarterback out of Oklahoma. He did... Uh, Measure in at over five foot ten um, and two hundred seven pounds and nine and a half inch hands, and all of those things are very relevant for his draft stock because most experts thought his height was really positive after some concerns that he might be five nine or even below. His hand size was good um, and comparable to some other quarterbacks in that range, so he's not really doing anything the rest of the week at the combine. So everything is going to come down to his pro day. But because of what happened today, he is in serious consideration for the first overall pick and definitely should be gone before 12 unless something terrible happens. And so that's a good thing for Green Bay because that all the quarterbacks that go before pick 12 help push players down the board. Yeah, absolutely. We're all about pushing edge rushers and offensive tackles and tight ends down to Green Bay. That's good news. Uh, speaking of tight ends, uh, Irv Smith is another guy that I wanted to mention here about his weigh-ins. Um, Smith is frequently listed in the top three tight ends in this class, and I love him. I actually have a first-round grade on him at the moment, and he's threatening Noah Fant for tight end two status. I know that's maybe a little bit of a hot take. People might uh, be upset about that, people who are Noah Fant truthers. But his measurements are going to give uh, teams some pause here. Uh, he came in at six foot two and three-eighths, and his weight is at 242. And those are not terrible measurements by any means, but he came in about 10 pounds uh, lighter and two inches shorter than both Fant and Hawkinson. So there's a drop off in just physical measurables right off uh, the bat with Irv Smith. So it'll be interesting to see how his combine affects his stock. His film is great. There's no doubt about that. But uh, some great athletic testing later in the week could go a long way in helping him cement his value uh, which is probably a late first, early second round pick at this point, uh, especially considering uh, just how deep this tight end class is. Uh, and so in, in addition to the weigh-ins, we also saw some of the prospects doing the bench press. And we won't try to give you guys a comprehensive view of all the numbers that were put up on the bench. Uh, but we did want to highlight just a few absolutely insane numbers 
that were put up on the bench press today. And I want to start with Garrett Bradbury. Uh, the offensive lineman from North Carolina State is someone that most like at center, but I don't see why he couldn't play guard in an outside zone key, outside zone scheme. Rather, he's super athletic, uh, but he's apparently also super strong because he put up 34 reps on the bench today. So great day for Bradbury. Really impressive. And then uh, Miles Gaskin is a small back from Washington. He's 5'9", and he weighed in at 205, which people actually thought was pretty heavy for him. They thought he'd come in lighter than that. But he's that gadget, explosive back. And Gaskin benched 225 pounds 24 times. And that's one more rep than Kansas State's Dalton Reisner, which is just an incredible amount of weight to put up for a little back like that. So uh, speaking of Reisner, we're going to kind of move into uh, some meetings here that we've heard that the Packers have had this week already. Uh, it's always fun to hear which players are meeting with the Packers. And in his press, uh, his uh, presser, Reisner said that he did meet with the Packers offensive line coaches and said that they had a really good meeting. Reisner said that he met with the Packers on Tuesday evening. So exciting to hear that fan favorite. A lot of people love Reisner and would love to see him in Green Bay, but exciting to hear that he did meet with them. Yeah, and Packaday's very own Ross Uglum is at the Combine, and he had uh, posted to his Twitter um, a clip of of some of what Reisner had to say. I know Ross is a really big fan of his, and, and a, lot of, a lot of us uh, that have studied tape really like Dalton Reisner. Um, he has that flexibility of, of, you know, potentially being a really, really great guard um, or even a really good tackle. Um, and so depending on where he goes, that could be an interesting fit. I did want to just jump back to Garrett Bradbury because that that was somebody who's, whose uh, bench numbers I was waiting to see. And I'm glad you pulled that up because I hadn't seen it yet. And he constantly in it in his tape is kind of getting pushed around and um sort of was viewed as a finesse player so it is interesting to see how strong he is and maybe getting into a different scheme um would allow him to show more of those traits but certainly that alleviates a lot of the concern that people had about him holding up in the nfl game yeah, absolutely. And that could be an incredible thing for his stock if you compare that athleticism with strength as well. So we'll see. Uh, apparently, his his game is going to be on an upward trajectory headed into the draft here. Um, Florida offensive tackle Jawan Taylor is another player that reportedly met with Green Bay, uh, as well as Ole Miss offensive tackle Greg Little, uh, who stated he was scheduled to meet with the Packers on Thursday night. So a couple more offensive tackles there. But, and those are two interesting names to keep an eye on. Greg Little was a guy who at one point was projected as a top 10 pick and has really been plummeting down draft boards as people have dove into his tape a little bit more. Um, whereas Jawan Taylor has had kind of the opposite experience. He started out as maybe a second round player and now is shooting up to the point where he's getting some top 10 or maybe even top five push. So two interesting guys to keep an eye on. Yeah, it's totally, uh, it's it's really hard to know. Do the Packers value these guys at 12? Do they value them at 30? Do they value them at 44? So really interesting uh, just to hear the names connected to them. And every team does their due diligence on all these guys, but it's always fun when fans get to hear which players or teams are being connected to and who they're sitting down with at the combine. And it certainly seems like there's at least a little bit of smoke around the Packers in these early round offensive tackles. One other name that the Packers have been tied to is Alabama running back Josh Jacobs. 
Jacob said he had a formal meeting with the Packers and has talked with one of the Packers' assistant coaches. And I quote, he said, a lot. Uh, that he talked to that assistant coach. So it would be just kind of fun to see uh, Packers Twitter just absolutely implode if Green Bay selected a running back in the first or even second round, probably. Uh, but lots, lots going on, uh, lots of names that are being connected, and we'll hear more and more as we get further into the combine. Uh, but now we wanted to discuss how the results of the combine can serve as that kind of tiebreaker deal when teams are stacking their board. Obviously, no one is going to enter combine week with Nick Bosa as edge prospect one and then have somebody like Chase Winovich over him if uh, Winovich were to outperform him in a drill or two. You, you just don't do that. But what is really helpful is using testing numbers as these tiebreakers within tiers. Uh, for instance, Brian Burns and Ja'Kai Polite are receiving very similar grades from many scouts and draft experts. So how they test and how they weigh in will probably go a long way in which is ranked higher for many teams and ultimately which uh, here's their name called first on draft night. But we wanted to talk about some of the guys who aren't receiving that first or second round buzz and how testing really could impact how they're viewed by teams and how their combine experience could break the tie among some of the guys who are kind of stuck together in these clusters and in these tiers right now. So, Andrew, why don't you jump right in here and get us started? Yeah, I think the best scouting departments and general managers use the combine to what what I consider prove the tape, right? What I mean by that is when a guy runs a 4-4, 40-yard dash, and you absolutely didn't see that coming, it should cause you to go back to look at their tape. But if they don't play that fast on the tape, you can't really trust that out of the player. However, no drill at the combine should make a player draftable. And really, the only one that's going to make you undraftable is the medical, which we won't know about, um, or at least shouldn't, um, due to HIPAA restrictions. So um, <laughs> some of the people that, that um, or one of the players that I had identified was quarterback Easton Stick from North Dakota State. So on Tuesday, Ross and Jake talked extensively about Stick, and certainly no one is going to be more familiar with him than Ross and the North Dakota State connection there. Um, but Stick is going to be the most athletic quarterback at the Combine. And I'm not necessarily a fan of drafting a quarterback high, but if you can get a guy like stick in the middle rounds who has the potential to play as a maybe a Taysom Hill like role he has experience in a pro style offense and he has the throwing mechanics to potentially develop into an NFL backup I think it suddenly becomes a very attractive mid-round prospect and maybe somebody who could unseat Deshaun Kaiser Oh, wow. Unseat Deshaun Kaiser. Now we're getting the hot takes in tonight. Um, Karan Higdon is someone I want to talk about a little bit out of Michigan. Uh, Higdon is currently going in the sixth or seventh round of most mock drafts, which is just kind of crazy to me. He's not a perfect running back prospect by a long shot, but he's got some really nice traits. And he's going to be a guy who's he's not going to be a goal line back. He's not going to be very good in pass protection. Initially, those are big knocks on him. Uh, but man, is he super elusive and honestly reminds me a lot of Aaron Jones at times. And so if the Packers are looking for a cheap option who could be Aaron Jones's backup as that elusive runner in their scheme, Higdon could be their guy late. And if he can run well and show off his pass catching ability and drills, which he really didn't get to feature at Michigan, but was there when they would actually check it down to him, he could move up some boards into the fourth and fifth round and be a guy that could be that kind of third running back who you don't feel terrible about if he comes in and has to play meaningful snaps. Well, shockingly, Kyle is 
going to be a Michigan homer, as usual. (laughs) So to counter his embarrassing bias, I'll tell you about the best fullback in this draft, Mr. Alec Ingold from Green Bay, Wisconsin, who played his college ball at Madison, right? That's not biased to me at all. Um, He's a good blocker and adds a solid running and receiving threat. The Badgers actually used him um, as halfback um, in some situations. He has some similarities to me to Derek Watt, and that's an easy comparison because they're both Wisconsin fullbacks, but they both have that kind of dual threat mentality. And he could be a late round or an undrafted option to compete with Danny, my new nickname for him, Hercules Vitali. And I did look it up this week. It is pronounced Vitali. Vitali, I like it. Thank nice. you, Google. Um, but moving to receiver, the the three middle round slot receivers I'm keeping my eyes on are Andy Isabella of UMass, Penny Hart of Georgia State, and Hunter Renfro from Clemson. All three of those guys have great individual skills. Isabella and Hart have a chance to leap up draft boards if they show that they have long speed in addition to elite quickness. So those are two guys where I actually care about their 40. Renfro is a guy who you get drafted in day two if his 40 and his shuttle drills show him to be an above average athlete because he's really, really great at all of the other things required of receivers. I just don't know if he has the athleticism to succeed in in the NFL. And here's a bonus player I'm going to be keeping my eye on. Wide receiver David Sills the fifth. I don't know why he added the fifth, but um, from West Virginia. He's big. He's he's very tall. He he was an elite quarterback in high school. He's actually the the kid who verbally committed to USC when Lane Kiffin was the head coach there as a 13-year-old because he was the quarterback prodigy. If he runs well, um, especially in the shuttle drills, he has the potential to move up significantly. He's really great at adjusting the ball, and I could see him as a really interesting developmental guy if he's around in the fifth or sixth round. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard an interview of uh, David Sills and uh, talking about how, you know, he wanted to play quarterback at West Virginia. And his coach told him basically like, dude, you're good at everything except for throwing the ball. (laughs) So (laughs) he he just kind of cut him off and was like, "Uh, you got to play wide receiver, man. So uh, fun story could be a great developmental player that could be had later in the draft as well. So fun to watch there. Uh, Tight ends. I want to talk a little bit about some tight ends here. Um, this is a great tight end class, and TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, and Irv Smith are all kind of consensus top three guys at tight end. But then for me, there's a lot of talent below them that are just kind of all bunched together, kind of in the slog jam of who is tight end four and then, you know, the guys thereafter. And Jay Sternberger from Texas A&M is a guy who some even have leapfrogging Irv Smith in this class. I don't see that on tape, but I did see a prospect with the upside to be a really impactful receiving threat at the next level. Uh, Sternberger really just had one year of production after transferring into Texas A&M. He's a really good player at playing the ball above the rim. He's really good after the catch. He has really good hands. The knocks on Jace are his blocking and his route running, which are both really raw, and he's just not super strong in the running in the running game as a blocker. Uh, Isaac Nada is another guy I really like. He was really underused in the Georgia offense, so there's a ton of, you know, he's kind of just like, there's this gap in his film because he's not really used as a receiver a ton, so it's really hard to tell what he is on uh, that side of his game, but he's, he's kind of a linear athlete. He's kind of stiff, but where Nada makes his money is as a blocker. He's just kind of a nasty blocker, and he's a former five-star recruit, so I loved that he was super willing to be the guy to do the dirty work as a blocker, and he did that really, really well. 
And then finally, Dawson Knox from Ole Miss is a player who started his college career as a quarterback, which explains his rawness and lack of refined route running. He needs some development there for sure, but Knox is really fast and he's really athletic and he should show out really well this week at the Combine. He certainly has those traits that you're looking for to develop into a starting tight end and could be that for a team in the league, but he was super underused as well at Ole Miss. Uh, It's actually kind of mind-numbing how little he got the ball, but he was competing with A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf for those opportunities, uh, DeMarcus Lodge as well. So all that to say, I have late second round or early third round grades on all three of these guys right now. So how they test this week will be huge for how they stack up on NFL teams' draft boards. So uh, I read somewhere this week that the vertical jump is actually one of the greatest predictors of success among tight ends. Uh, So just an interesting note there. Keep an eye on that test as these guys go through these things. You know, we always see the 40 time, the three cone, and those things are huge. But also keep an eye on that vertical jump and see how these guys do testing there as we kind of get some clarity about who the Packers might target in that, you know, third round at tight end if they don't pick one before that. But that is all the time we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Let us know what you thought of today's show. Uh, remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the Packaday Podcast if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every Friday. We'll be back next week with our continued coverage of the rest of the Combine and a special first-round mock draft where we're going to take control of every single team and see how the players fall out for the Packers. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... Sunday Night Football in the start of a historic season for the Green Bay Packers. Rodgers in the shotgun, here's the snap, rushes on, Rodgers nowhere to go, and he's snowed under. Back inside the 30, and Rodgers is down. Roy Robertson, Harris, Khalil Mack, and Rodgers unable to get up. Oh my goodness. Wow. Down at 19 from the Green Bay 30, snap to Kaiser under pressure, immediately dumps it up right side, it's intercepted. Intercepted by Khalil Mack. Circle route to the 15, to the 10. He's to the 5, to the end zone. Touchdown. Oh, my goodness. Khalil Mack's had a sack, fumble recovery, interception return for a touchdown. Nine fourteen to go in the third. Chicago 20, Green Bay nothing. Wayne, I actually see Aaron on the sideline throwing. Well, that's a good sign. Yep, he is. Of the shotgun, snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, throws it over the middle. Randall Cobb is there. Makes a spinning grab just outside the left hash mark. J.K. Scott, Mason Crosby. Here's the snap. Placement made. Kick is up. And it is good. So the Packers on the board with 3.37 to go in the third. Snap to A-Rod looking around and waiting. Lawson deep down the right side. Allison in the end zone. Makes a spectacular catch. Touchdown. What a throw and what a catch. And the Packers get back into it. 39-yard bomb from Aaron Rodgers to Geronimo. Corey Lindsley on the snap, four-man line for the Bears. They're coming on a blitz up the middle. They pick it up. Rodgers looks, lost, left side, got a man out there. Cutting right to the 40, turns up 
Rodgers under a blitz. Rodgers tight pocket steps up, throws a left, got Devontae inside the 10, head fake, cuts left to the 5, reaches Highline, and touchdown! Oh, what a play by Devontae Adams! Snap to A-Rod, rushes on, has time. Looking close, middle, yes. got his Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.